In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Amen. I am very happy to be with you in this convention, and with my blessed fathers, His Grace Bishop Raphael and His Grace Bishop uh, David, with all the Reverend Fathers, and with all of you. Uh, we will speak tonight about inspiration and inerrancy of the scripture. First, let us define inspiration. How can we define it? It's a long definition, but I will break it down into seven points. Biblical inspiration is defined as God's superintending of human authors. God like observing, superintending of the human author, so that using their individual personalities and their writing styles, they composed and recorded without error his revelation to man in the words of the original script. So God actually is supervising us, the human authors, the human authors, without canceling their personality or their writing styles in order to compose to us the recorded scripture without error. And this recorded scripture is revelation of God toward us. As His Grace Bishop Raphael explained, scripture and the truth, faith, is revelation from God. So, we can say that what the authors wrote is exactly and precisely what God wanted them to write. What they wrote to us is precisely what God wanted them to write. Inspiration is different than dictation. God did not dictate to them the material, like in other religions. But he inspired them. So what are the seven elements in this definition? The first element, that the origin of the text is God, is divine, inspired by God. Second element, there is a human agent, a human person. Third element, it is written verbally in words. I, I have text document. Fourth element, every single word in the scripture is inspired, not parts of it. Every single word in the scripture is inspired. Fifth element, the original text is inspired, not the translation, because many times we find error in translation. But 
the original text is inspired in its original language. And number six, because scripture is inspired, it is inerrant. There is no error in it. And number seven, which is very, very important, since the scripture is inspired and inerrant, then it has authority. It is authoritative. Let me review the seven points again. Number one, there is a divine origin. Number two, a human agent. Number three, a written text. Number four, all the scripture, all the scripture is inspired, not parts of it. Number five, the original text in its original language is inspired, not the translation. (coughs) Number six, since it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then it is inerrant. And number seven, since it is inspired and inerrant, it has authority. If the Bible said homosexuality is sin, then it is sin, has authority. I, I cannot argue with this. The word inspiration literally means God breathed, the breath of God. The breath of God. Uh, and why we say that it is inerrant, there is no error in it? Number one, because God is true. He is the truth. I am the truth. And if, if God is the truth, then what he inspired will be true. Also, if God is true, and God breathed out the scripture, then the scripture is true. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, St. Paul said, Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. So, if anybody said something different than what God said, God said, he's a liar. God is true. Let, uh, indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. How did we know that the scripture is the breath of God in 2 Timothy 3.16. St. Paul said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In Coptic, inspiration, nifi and teifnoti. Those who know the Coptic, nifi is the breath. So, it's breathed by God. So, God is true, as St. Paul said, and the scripture is the breath of God, then the scripture is true, as we read in John 17, 17. 
John 17, that is the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said literally, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Who is the agent of inspiration? The agent of inspiration is the Holy Spirit. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 21, I'm sure you heard these verses before. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the agent of inspiration is the Holy Spirit. And the word moved in in the Greek text means carried along. So they were carried by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Do you know in the the story in the book of Acts, when uh, uh, the storm happened and they were carried by the storm and they they didn't have control over the the ship, the storm happened to St. Paul, the same word that used by, moved by the Holy Spirit, is the same word you find it in Acts 27, from 15 to 17, when these sailors actually were carried by the wind. So the ship was being driven, directed, and carried by the wind. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit inspired the authors, the Holy Spirit was directing, driving, and carrying the human authors as he wished, as the Holy Spirit wished. So, but as the sailors were active on the ship, although the wind controlled the ship movement, in the same way the human author were active in their writing style, in their personality, but It is the Holy Spirit who moved them, carried them, directed them. The idea of inspiration is found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 2 and 3, We read the words of of David. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, "The The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. So here David is saying, It is the Spirit of God who spoke in my mouth, who put the word on my mouth. So 
I just uttered what the Holy Spirit put in my mouth. Uh, and there are many saying in the Old Testament were said by prophets or the holy men of the Old Testament. When these were quoted in the New Testament, it was said, it is the Holy Spirit who said it, not this person. Let me give some example to explain to you what I mean. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 36, we read, For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So these are not the words of David. The Holy Spirit uttered them on the mouth of David. Another example, Acts chapter 1 and verse 16. Uh, that's the speech of Peter. Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David. So Peter is saying, so this understanding of inspiration existed from very, very, very early. It's not a later dogma in the church. Here Peter is saying, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So what David wrote about Judas, it was not David. It was the Holy Spirit who wrote it on the mouth of uh, David, who became a guide about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Another example, Acts 28-25. So, after St. Paul, actually people came to him when he was under house arrest in Rome. So we read in verse 25, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to these people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. So these are not words of of Isaiah. These are words of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit uttered on the mouth of Isaiah. And St. Paul make it very clear. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet. Another example in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. These words actually in the Old Testament. But St. Paul did not say Moses said, but he said, as the Holy Spirit said. As the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So, The doctrine of inspiration 
was found even from the very, very early, from the time of the apostles. They understood that the Holy Spirit, the, the Old Testament was written by the inspiration of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Yes, as Sayyidina Bi'ul, we, we say in, in the creed who spoke by the prophets about the Holy Spirit, who spoke by the prophets. Uh, in Isaiah 59, verse 21, Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth. God is saying to Isaiah, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from time and forevermore. So here, actually, uh, although God used a human being like Isaiah in communicating his word, but it's very clear that the Holy Spirit was in charge of the process. So no human error or opinion entered in the picture. No human error or opinion entered in the picture. The same idea in Jeremiah 1, 9. And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. Again, we see here God in control of the process of communicating his word to the people. The last reference before I move to the inspiration in the New Testament, in Zechariah 7.12. Yes, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Again, speaking about the, the people who were rebellious to God. They made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. It's very clear that the words came through the Holy Spirit to the former prophets. 
Maybe somebody would argue and say, okay, when St. Paul or St. Peter spoke about this scripture, they were referring to the Old Testament. But how can we know that the New Testament also is inspired? Uh, so now we'll speak about inspiration in the New Testament. Number one, if we read John chapter 14 and verse 26, God promised the apostles before his ascension, he told them, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. So there is a promise here from God that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will remind them and he will teach them. You know, when uh, St. Paul wrote the second letter to Timothy, this was his last letter before his martyrdom in which he said, I have fought the good fight, uh, I, 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 come, I finished the race. So it was the last letter. And in this second Timothy, he wrote all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction. So when St. Paul said all scripture, did he mean just the Old Testament? Or in his mind, also, he meant the New Testament. If you go to First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18, St. Paul actually quote two verses, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. He said, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it trades out the grain. That's from the Old Testament. Then he said, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. These verses, the laborer is worthy of his wages, is not in the Old Testament. It was taken from the Gospel of St. Luke. And, and St. Paul actually considered both of them as a scripture. And the word scripture, when it was used, it refers to holy text written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So St. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5.18, actually he referenced two verses. One from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 25 verse 4, and the other one from the Gospel of St. Luke, which was written before First Timothy, from Luke chapter 10, verse 7. And St. Paul actually referred to both of them as a scripture, which means St. Paul also, when he said all scripture is inspired by God, refer means the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
Also in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, when St. Peter referred to the, the letters of St. Paul. So also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scripture. So St. Paul, St. Peter here, when he referred to the letters of St. Paul, he considered them scripture. Scripture means inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we cannot say that the Old Testament was inspired and not the New Testament. We know Second Timothy, when it was written, before just the martyrdom of St. Uh, Paul, all the New Testament was written except Second uh, Peter, Jude, and the writings of St. John. So we have only five books were not written when St. Paul said all the scripture are inspired by God. These five books are the Jude, Second Peter, and the three letters of John, the book of Revelation, and the Gospel. Uh, I think seven, sorry, seven. No. But the church fathers emphasized later on that the Holy Scripture, including these eight uh, books that were written later, are later than Second Timothy, are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and we have the Church Fathers, the Holy Tradition, as we speak about it, who told us what's inspired and what's not inspired. And this is the importance of the Holy Tradition, because how did we know that the Gospel of Luke is inspired and, for example, Gospel of Barnabas is not uh, inspired or Gospel or Book of Enoch not inspired? That's the holy tradition of the Church. What about the Lord Jesus Christ in his teaching? How the Lord Jesus Christ viewed the Scripture? What did he say about the Scripture in his teaching? These are very important points to understand how even the Lord Jesus spoke about the uh, scripture. First verse in Matthew 22:43 He said to them How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. So even the Lord Jesus Christ, when he referred to this psalm, he said David wrote this psalm by the Holy Spirit. 
Then the Lord Jesus Christ confirmed to us that the scripture is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Number two, in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, the Lord said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So here the Lord not only teaching that these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit, but also they are indestructible. You cannot destroy them. Heaven and earth will pass away, but one jot and one tittle will not by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. In John 10, 35, The Lord said, If he, God, called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. And the scripture cannot be broken. So God is saying, the Lord Jesus Christ saying, the scripture is infallible. Is infallible. You cannot say there is wrong, it's wrong, or there is error. Infallible. Also, the Lord said the scripture has the final authority. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he actually, how he replied to Satan in the temptation by verses from the scripture. And the Lord, when he responded to Satan, he used these verses as final authority. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this ended the discussion. In verse 7, same chapter, it is written, you shall not tend to the Lord your God. End of discussion. It's written. The third, in, in verse 10, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So when the Lord used it is written, that's the authority of the scripture, final authority. You cannot argue after this. So if the scripture said so about, for example, again, homosexuality, it is written. That's it. No argument after this. Final authority. That was the Lord Jesus Christ taught about the scripture. Also the Lord confirmed Although the scripture is not a book of history, the, 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 it is a revelation about the salvation of human being. But what is written is a historical fact is accurate. And the Lord Jesus Christ confirmed this. The Lord, for example, spoke about the story of Jonah as a real historical 
event instant in Matthew 12 40 for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth some people nowadays say no no it's mythological no it's not the Lord referred to this as historical facts in Matthew 24 Verse 37, many people actually spoke about, right now, biblical criticism, that the story of Noah is not true. But the Lord Jesus Christ referred to this story as true in Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will, will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be? So how some people right now claim that these stories are not true? So the Lord Jesus Christ referred to these stories as historical fact. And nowadays we say, no, it's not. Uh, about gender and, and transgenderism, the Lord spoke about God when he created us, he created two genders only. You read it in Matthew 19, 2 to 5. And great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. Then the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? So here the Lord is using this to say also there is scientific accuracy in the scripture. There is scientific accuracy in the scripture. Uh, the Lord also said there is no error in the scripture. John 17, 17, I just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, when the Lord said, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Another reference is Matthew 22, 29. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read in the scripture what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of dead, but God of living. So here, the Lord is saying, what's written in the scripture are facts. There is no error in it. If the scripture said in heaven there is no marriage, then there is no marriage. 
It's fact. If the scripture says they will be raised, there is a resurrection, as God said to Moses uh, in the burning bush, I am God of Abraham, God of Isaac, uh, God of Jacob, then God is not God of dead, but God of living. Also, the unity in the scripture, the harmony and the unity in the scripture. In Luke 24, 27, when God appeared to the two disciples uh, going to Amwes, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the Lord referred to the scripture, to Moses and the prophets, to tell them what the prophet said about the Messiah and what actually was fulfilled in him. In John 5.39 the Lord told us you search the scripture for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. So, can we expect the Lord asking us to search the scripture if the scripture uh, has error? Definitely not. He told us, go and search the scripture. Also, the Lord said in, in Luke 24, 25 also to the two disciples Amos. then he said to them O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken so he is trying to tell them that the prophets spoke clearly about me but because you closed your eyes, that's why you could not understand. And the final thing about what the Lord Jesus Christ, the last thing about what the Lord Jesus Christ said about the scripture, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 31, uh, in the story of um, Lazarus and the rich man, but he said to them, to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So, if you don't believe the scripture, you will not believe in the resurrection of Christ. If you say, if you say the scripture, there are mistakes and errors, then your faith in the resurrection is not right. So, all these references about how the Lord Jesus Christ viewed the scripture, it was very, very clear that the Lord viewed the scripture as inspiration of the Holy Spirit, also 
No error in the scripture. Also, they have the final authority. They have final authority. Even the New Testament authors, when they wrote, they spoke with authority from the Holy Spirit. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, St. Paul said, I did not write, not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So what he is writing is what the Holy Spirit is teaching, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. St. Paul, who wrote actually more than 50% of the New Testament, affirms in his word that his words are authoritative because his words are not rooted in fallible man teaching, but inspired by the infallible God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we call him the Spirit of Truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, St. Paul said, If any man think himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So, Paul here, St. Paul here is saying, my words have divine authority. These are the commands of the Lord. Some Protestant, when you argue with them, they will tell you, these are the words of Paul, not the words of Christ. They differentiate between the words of the Lord and the word of Christ. But St. Paul said, my words are the commands of the Lord. And if if you are going to ask, maybe Paul is saying this, how would we know? Peter testified about Paul when he said that his letters are scripture. The the verses that I mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 3. And Peter is one of the pillars of the church. Also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, St. Paul says, For this cause also, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. So what St. Paul taught and wrote is the word of God. That's why the words of St. Paul are authoritative. Some people, when we speak and we refer to St. Paul, especially when it concerns like covering the heads in the church or the authority of women in teaching, etc., they say these are the words of St. Paul, as if the words of St. Paul are not inspired or are not the words of of the Holy Spirit. No. The words of St. Paul are authoritative because, again, they were rooted in God, 
not in man. St. Paul was just an instrument, a tool in the hand of God to communicate the word of God to us. Even uh, St. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 14, If uh, somebody did not listen to his word, should be disciplined. Why? Because these are the words of God. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse fourteen. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. If these are the words of just a human being. Why St. Paul would say, do not keep company with him and not this person? Because his words are the word of God. St. Paul wrote more than this. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, he said, even if an angel came from heaven, but even if we or an angel from heaven Preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Can you imagine if these are the words only of St. Paul? He will excommunicate angels? Definitely not. But these are not the words of St. Paul. These are the words of God. That's why St. Paul made it very clear in in Galatians chapter 1 and verse uh, 12. He told them about the gospel he preached. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. As Sayyidina explained, faith is not just uh, making conclusions or a discovery faith is not discovered it's revelation God reveals himself why you believe in the Trinity because God revealed to us he is triune God uh, and just a proof for divine inspiration. If we look at the prophecies in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, actually, you will be amazed how the number of the prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. For example, he will be a seed of woman, Genesis 3.15. The virginal birth, Isaiah 7.14. He was born, he will be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. John the forerunner will prepare the way before him, Malachi 3.1. His 
ministry and of miracles and performing miracles. Isaiah 35, 5-6. He will be sold for 30 shekels. Zechariah 11:12. Hands and feet pierced. Psalm 22:16. He will be crucified with thieves. Isaiah 53:12. No bones will be broken. Psalm 22:17. He will suffer thirst on the cross. Psalm 69:21. Resurrection. Psalm 16:10 and Psalm 22:22. These are just few, few prophecies from the Old Testament written by different people in different ages. Genesis, uh, sorry, Moses, Isaiah, Micah, Malachi, Zechariah, David. You know when Sayyidina was exploding uh, uh, on a nice symphony? You know, actually in this Theotokia of Thursday, after he mentioned how different prophets prophesied about the Lord Jesus Christ and his incarnation, so the author of this Theotokia was amazed, amazed how all these prophets in different ages, different background of teaching, different cultures, but one author, the Holy Spirit. One author, the Holy Spirit. That's why although different background, different culture, different age, different places, uh, different time, but they are in harmony. You know why? Because the scripture was written by one author, the Holy Spirit. Even if if I start to, to say about uh, archaeological support of, of the Bible, scientific support, many, many things, but just I will take only one reference from Isaiah chapter 40, 33. Uh, sorry, 22. At that time, people believed that the earth is flat before they discover that the earth is like a sphere. But Isaiah, before this discovery, he said, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. He wrote this hundreds of years before they discover that the earth is a sphere. How Isaiah would know this? Some people who claim there are scientific errors in the Bible. How? Yes, it's not a book of science. Yes, it's not a book of history. But what's written in it is true. Because it's inspired by the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Some people nowadays, even they say the Jesus Christ is not a historical uh, person. Just Christian made up this person. But there are non-Christian sources that affirm the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. For example, Jewish historian 
Flavius Josephus, who was born 37 AD, made reference to Jesus, the so-called Christ. Roman historian Cornelius Tacitus, born 52 AD, wrote about Christ, who was put to death by Pontius Pilate. Pliny the Younger, 112 AD, spoke about troublesome sect of Christians and Suetonius, 120 AD, spoke about the disturbances over Christ. All these are non-Christian, but they confirmed that the Lord Jesus Christ is a historical person. This was not a made-up story by the apostles. And how can you imagine logically I make up a story, and then I die for it. This will be the extreme foolishness. To make up a story, and then you die for a story that you know it's a lie. All the twelve except St. John were killed. Why, why I suffer death for a story I make it up? The last point I want to say, now we understood the inspiration and we understood the inerrancy of the scripture. So the scripture has authority, final authority. This is very, very important. Because when we discuss, for, for example, homosexuality, transgenderism, role of women in the church, etc., etc., etc. What is our final authority here? It's not what you believe. It's not what makes perfect sense to you. With all my respect, nobody cares about what you believe is right or wrong. But the scripture that's written by the spirit of the truth is our final authority. So, whatever God said, that is true and has authority over us. So, I can conclude and, conclude and say the authority of the scripture cannot be separated from the authority of God. What the scripture affirms, God affirms. And what the scripture denies, it is denied with the very authority of God. If God entirely inspired the scripture, then the scripture is authoritative in our life. Glory be to God forever and ever.